Welcome back, everybody. Today is episode eight of The Primal Show. I'm Derek Gladwell, your co-host. And as always, I'm here with my other co-host. Michael McKnight. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> Mike, how's it going? How's that uh, Arctic winter treating you today? <laughs> ah, I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> this is the eighth episode in a row of me complaining about where I live. <laughs> <laughs> Can't wait till we get to spring when I can start bragging about where I live. <laughs> honestly though dude spring is pretty nice up there during the day it's beautiful oh so green weather's perfect the trails are starting to show again with well granted we have crazy amounts of snow this year so who knows how long it's going to take for the trails to open up but yeah yesterday was negative 14 degrees i went out and ran in it i think i got (laughs) free frostbite i'm just guessing like both my heels got numb and slightly purple for a couple hours (laughs) So today it was negative 18 and I opted to just stick to the treadmill um, just to play it safe. But man, it's so cold right now. I I honestly can't even imagine. I was in Prescott for most of the week on a film shoot and it was cold. It was like in the teens in the mornings and stuff when we're out filming. But like that's nowhere near as cold as like negative 15 or negative 20 or something. Like I didn't know Prescott got that cold. I thought they were like more in the 30s for their lows. Usually that's true. And that's what everyone's always telling me, like Charlie Ware. I don't know if you know him, but he lives up there. Um, now he moved there from Tucson a while ago. And uh, he's always like, dude, it's so nice. Winters are so temperate and just mild. And then the one week I go up there, it's like some freak week where it's just really cold. And like everybody kept saying that. <laughs> All the locals are like, it's not normally this cold. It's This is an anomaly. It's like, okay, <laughs> whatever. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy because like that's the one way I've been trying to convince Sarah to move to Arizona. Because she's like, oh, it's too hot. And mm-hmm. I like I looked up Prescott and like according to the to the Google, <laughs> I sound old right there. <laughs> yeah, you do. Get on the Facebook and then the Google. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> according to Google, uh Prescott is like high in the nineties and low in the thirties, which sounds perfect, but I guess there's some off weeks. Like we're we're normally not negative eighteen, so obviously like they can have some outlier weeks too. Yeah, for sure. I think everywhere around the country is a little colder this week than normal. And yeah because like it really is pretty mild in in Prescott generally like it doesn't get that hot it's not that cold like I remember during like Whiskey Basin like end of April like it's still chilly in the mornings but it warms up during the day so like that is a little more typical and I think I was just there in an off week but okay that said it was still really cold and even like the uh, one of our shooters from uh, our photographer she lives in Bozeman she was complaining about how cold it is so like or it was oh that's funny it's all relative I guess exactly Enough about the uh, the weather in Utah and Arizona. Uh, how was your? How are you doing? How was your week? It was good, man. Um, it's nice to have a full week of running in. Um, a little hectic with that shoot going on, so I ended up having to like do a lot of double days, um, like shorter in the morning, then kind of squeeze in runs when I could. But um, I'm still pretty stoked though to get my mileage in. Like it's nice when I have a really busy week because sometimes film weeks are just really really long. And it's like weird, like busy, but not busy at the same time. You're just kind of like stuck, not doing stuff half the time. Um, So I was like, okay, I'm gonna go run it at like eight o'clock at night for like three miles and do the rest of my run in the morning of that day or something. So, um, but it felt good though to get my mileage in and like, and just like actually hit my goals and my workouts for the week and keep that consistency going. And then Saturday, um, I was going to run the Black Canyon Trail because I'm running a marathon on it in like a month and a half or so. But um, a friend of mine, Peter Mortimer, was in town in Phoenix. So we did a group run on Saturday, which was like super fun. He's out in the Phoenix mountains. Nice. Shirtless. Yeah. Well, we started with shirts on because it was cold. 
And then oh, we were okay. all we were all pretty much shirtless <laughs> by the end, except for Peter, because he's running Tarwara um in a week and a half or whatever. Um so he was but definitely wearing a shirt. Yeah, like his heat training. He was wearing a, a shirt the whole time, but uh, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> but it was a nice day though, dude. It was super fun. And like I I guess I've done a couple like longer group runs the past couple of weeks, and like I really enjoy that now. Like I used to kind of avoid them, I think just because I wanted to get my runs in, but it makes them a lot more enjoyable just to go out and like hang out with friends and just chat. And then like you run with like stronger people than you and you get better. It's kind of like the the whole saying of like you you become basically who you spend time with. So spending time with faster people, you're gonna become faster and it's it's fun. So Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I, I that's a good statement. <clears throat> yeah. So what about you? How's your running going? Uh good, man. Let's see. Just still keeping it an hour to an hour and a half a day since I'm not really building right now. Um I don't know. I don't have much more to report. I got in an amazing backcountry ski session in on Sunday morning. Nice. I, uh, yeah, we we got the biggest snowstorm that I can remember in like years, multiple years. Um, like I cleared off easily a foot from my driveway that morning, um, went skiing and then came back and had like another few inches to clear off after like only being gone for a couple hours. Like it was Jeez. a pretty good storm, <laughs> but, um, best powder I've like skied in in years. It was just like up to my knees. It was so rad. <laughs> I, uh, Sunday's usually family and church day for us. So, <clears throat> uh, we have nine o'clock church. And so I had to get up kind of early to go get my skiing in, but yeah, um, I was really, really close to texting my wife from the top of the mountain and saying, Hey, just go to church without me today. Man, it was so good. <laughs> no, it's awesome. Um, I was going to ask you, cause like, I know you're not necessarily building mileage wise right now for Cocodona, but you have been hitting the gym pretty consistently. So like right now, how much are you hitting the gym? And then how much does that change when you're actually running, um, like your normal mileage when you're building for a race? Yeah, so I'm doing the gym five days a week right now. Um, and then when I'm doing like high volume, it's two to three days a week, closer to two days. Okay. So um, this is actually my first time doing this much at work in the gym. I, I've usually capped it at three days, but I don't know why I tried it this winter and I'm just absolutely loving it. So I think it's something I'm going to keep doing every year <laughs> from about November to end of January, mid-February. I'm going to kind of do like a build session, uh, muscle wise in the gym and, and then start tapering off and building my mileage back up for my race season. Cool. Yeah. It makes sense. You build a lot of strength and durability. And then once you start building yeah. mileage again, you can kind of tap into that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really excited to see how it carries over. Cause like, you know, I've been doing a lot of box jumps, which is something I normally don't do. I've been doing a lot of, um, I don't know what they're called. Like high knee toe taps on a box mm -hmm. jump do you know what i'm talking about like yeah. I, did, I put it on my okay yeah i saw them on your <laughs> video i know you're talking about though we used to do those in soccer all the time sucked yeah <laughs> it does suck but like it gets your heart rate going like you work on speed explosiveness and it opens up your hips from what i'm telling them so i'm hoping that that's going to carry over to like better more efficient uphill running or for example uh but this is just guessing we'll see if it actually happens <laughs> i guess we'll see it cooking and how this all plays out right yeah. Yeah. If it comes out good, then I'm going to start, you know, talking to the people I coach about strength training a little bit more. Um, if it ends up not going so well, then, then I, I was the, my own Guinea pig and it was a bad decision. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess, I guess we'll find out then. <laughs> yeah, for sure. 
nutritionally though, is there anything new for you this past week? Uh, not really. Like the whole week was kind of like the good, better, best scenario. Um, just like being on a shoot, we ate out like every meal. So I was trying to figure out what I can get at a restaurant that's decent. So luckily there's a lot of places in Prescott. Like it's kind of like a mixture of like a, a booming or almost booming mountain bike town than an old mining town. So there's a good variety of food places there. And generally I could get steak and eggs almost everywhere I went. Um, nice. so for now we had Thai food and I had to get like these ribs that were just not very good. Um, <laughs> like it just was not very good. Um, but it was fine though. Like not ideal. Um, but I guess like the main takeaway I had this week from nutrition besides that was, um, just some people that I spent time with throughout the week. I'm not going to name names by any means, but it was interesting, like how alcohol and just eating poorly can affect your runs either the day before or the day after, um, like just watching people where they'll like go out and party. And then the next day it's like, Oh, I was supposed to run 14 miles today, but now I'm not going to run. Or I eat like trash all day and now I'm sick. And then my runs suck the next day or I have stomach issues or gastric distress. It's like, like, okay, like a lot of these could be alleviated by just eating properly. And it just really validated the, the, the way that we eat. So we can kind of avoid those situations as much as we can and keep continuing to have better and better runs. And it was interesting though. Cause like some of these guys are like, they're still faster than me. But it's kind of like hot and cold, I feel like, where it's like you have a really, really good day or a really, really bad day. And they're also a lot younger as well. So you can kind of in, in a get away with it. I hate when people say that. But like when you're younger, it kind of seems like you're a furnace. You can just like eat whatever. Um, obviously, there's long term implications to that. But I just thought it was interesting, though. It's like, OK, like I have a long run tomorrow, but instead tonight we're going to have a party and hang out and drink. like drink alcohol, obviously. And then now I don't want to do my run the next day or if I do go out and do it, it's not like it's not very efficient and effective. Whereas yeah. if you just like had a good night and like had, you can still spend time with friends and everything and like whatever, but like you eat properly and just don't drink alcohol. You're probably gonna have a better run the next day. Well, actually, you will have a better run the next day. Like that's just <laughs> science, I guess, and biology. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. I feel like more and more runners are seeing the, I mean, in this example, you just gave <clears throat> maybe not this group of people that you were talking about, but I think there are more runners that are seeing the benefits of, um, eliminating or just drastically reducing alcohol consumption mm-hmm. just because um, I was on a nutrition panel a week and a half or so ago. And it was me and there was two other, there was two other professional ultra runners on the panel. And I can't remember what the question was, but um, one of the the gals, the, the female runner who was on the panel, she talked about how she's trying to basically drastically lower her alcohol consumption because of the negative implications that come from that and she talked about how she's seen benefits from doing that so it's it's pretty interesting i feel like i've heard that a few times lately about some other um keynote runners who are trying to get rid of alcohol yeah it's really interesting like how prevalent it is in society and i was talking to a friend of mine and like he grew up um where he, he never drank and still doesn't drink at all but he was talking to me about how interesting it is how in society we like celebrate people like, oh, you were sober for a month or you were sober for two months. But then on the other hand, it's like, oh, you've never had alcohol in your life. Like you're a weirdo. It's like, <laughs> like wh- why? Like you should be celebrating the same person too because they say this guy's had alcohol in 30 years because he's never had it where this person has been like sober for a month. And like, that's like the biggest thing in the world. It's like, they're both accomplishments for sure, but it's like, they should both be celebrated and not one kind of like frowned upon or, or looked down upon in this some way. Yeah, the more we talk about this and the more things I hear like this, the more like I'm just realizing people hate polarizing lifestyles. Mm-hmm. Or I don't is, is polarizing the right word like drastically on one end of the scale 
like you know what i'm trying to say yeah i think i think specifically i know what you're trying to say and i think specifically with alcohol like it's almost like you're doing something better for yourself and so people are jealous and so instead of like congratulating you for it they want to like they almost kind of get like offended but not i don't know how to explain Mm -hmm. it we're like like they're almost like upset that you're doing something beneficial for your your life and they can't do the same thing for their life because they don't have enough discipline to do it and it it's really interesting to me. Like, I think that happens in a lot of things where like, if you start training more and become faster, people are going to try to knock you down and they knock you down, they knock you down because they're not doing those things themselves. And it's like, they have this weird battle internally where like they can't figure things out or they don't want to figure things out. And they're just jealous of what you're doing. Yeah. I mean, I think it goes back to that statement. I don't know. Maybe it's David Goggins or Cam Haynes. Um, I don't know if I a hundred percent agree with this statement, but I do see a lot of value to it. But basically you're never going to see somebody criticizing your lifestyle who's doing better than you. And again, I don't know if I fully agree with that because <clears throat> I think there are some pretty degrading professional athletes out there that can make you feel like junk <laughs> and they are amazing athletes. But for the most part, like th- those kind of criticisms that we can get, I do feel are from people like you just said, who are feeling threatened or jealous that they can't do that themselves yeah it's really interesting like i don't know why like like evolutionarily or biologically why humans do that but it's Mm -hmm. weird like i don't know if it's some sort of survival mechanism or something to like kind of go after like this is not necessarily the right way to say it but like go after the alpha male or the alpha in the pack because it's like i'm not as strong as you but like how can we take you down so we can all be in charge too or something and it's just it's kind of interesting it's also kind of sad though too because so many people have tons of potential you never see them realize their potential because they're instead of like focusing on like, I want to get faster, I'm going to run more and do more workouts and like actually focus on this. Instead, they'll spend that same energy just tearing people down or like posting comments online. And it's, it's really interesting to me how, how people do that. And like, I'm sure we're both guilty of it. I know like it's kind of like a normal human thing, but like, I think there's a lot of value in just taking that same energy and like, okay, like you do you and I'll do me. And then let's see Mm -hmm. what happens at the end. And and then also just congratulating people for like their successes. Like, like just, it's awesome. Like when you have friends that do really well to race or something, maybe you had a poor performance, but your friends like succeeded. Like that's awesome. And you should be happy for them. Yeah. Hopefully we get to a spot, spot in, in life where more people are doing that, but I, I doubt that's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Sadly, I don't think it will, but I guess like in the yeah. ultra running world though, specifically, like people are pretty supportive. I know there is some negativity floating around always like just any group of people, but I think for the most part, the ultra running community is pretty supportive of others. Yeah, we have a good group. Yeah, but cool. um, let's let's roll forward with the episode. Um, yeah, we we'd like to start with some questions that we received, and Derek has those questions, so I'll let him uh, start. Yeah, I think the biggest one that I want to talk about. We got a whole bunch. Um, we kind of had to kind of I don't know whittle them away to find the the most important ones. They're all important, but like. The most uh, relevant <laughs> ones, I guess. Um, and like last week, we had Andrea Moore on the show. She's a, a client of yours. And like, she was awesome. Like a lot of good feedback from her. And she's super pumped. And she's done really well with everything. But we got a comment, um, more I guess a message from a guy. And uh, I won't name his name. Um, but if he does want to come on the show, because I told him to listen this week. So if you're listening, it'd be fun to have you come on the show and we can chat. But um, he says, I think Andrea might be confused about the definition of manufactured and processed foods. I put a definition in the comments that might clear that up and perhaps allow for a more specific conversation regarding what makes food, quote, not real, end quote. And so his comment 
um, is, is off the FDA website. And it's the Code of Federal Regulations, Title 21. Um, and that was updated in November of 2022. So uh, just last year, I guess. Um, so I'm not going to read the whole their whole definition of manufacturing slash processing because it's, it's a few paragraphs long. Um, but essentially, he posted the FDA, which is a .gov site, and it says manufacturing slash processing means making food from one or more ingredients or synthesizing, preparing, treating, modifying, or manipulating food, including food, crops, or ingredients. And so that's just like if you bake something or you, you cook something, boil it, whatever, like you're manufacturing food. That's a form of processing, right? Like even like cutting up a deer and making a steak out of it is a form of processing. And so right. like I know what this guy is trying to say, and I have a couple issues with his comment. Um, and so my first issue is the FDA is just garbage. Let's be real about it. Like ever since the government got involved in food, like obesity and health like these chronic health issues have just gone up like dramatically like they're promoting all these like like a high grain diet high high like fat diet of like refined oils which are just seed oils essentially and they're just terrible for you and i know there's a lot of like correlation there it's not necessarily causation for most of the studies i've seen but like yeah okay so like I, I don't know it just really bothers me when people quote the government because the government has no business in food like we can't buy raw milk essentially because the government thinks it's unsafe but then they'll sit there and promote like pfizer and these other companies that have literally killed thousands if not millions of people or ruined people's lives so like i don't think the government number one is a good source for nutritional information but did you have a comment mike you kind of acted like it i i was just gonna basically agree with you <laughs> um okay. yeah like I think I know the guy that you're talking about because I think he's messaged me a couple of times about some of the posts that I've made. <clears throat> Specifically, I think it was about a post I made about raw milk. I think it's the same guy because he's quoted the FDA with me a couple of times too. And mm -hmm. like, I mean, I'm not going to fully blame the FDA for my obesity that I had as a child and growing up. But <clears throat> like, I think I said it on this this podcast, like I remember thinking that I was healthy because I was choosing to eat a, a bowl of goldfish and marshmallows and pretzels and Skittles because they were fat free. Mm -hmm. Like growing up, that was a huge, huge push that the FDA and that the government was making like fat free, fat free foods, eat the fat free stuff, like fat's going to kill you. So <clears throat> I was just eating a lot of fat free foods, but they were just terrible for me. And I mean, that could be a poor example, but like, I remember thinking I was healthy based off of what I was seeing that the government was putting out back then. And so, yeah, I, I guess I'm just saying that I agree with you. Like, I don't think the FDA fully has our best interests when it comes to food. Yeah, 100%. And it's very clear too, that like the FDA is compromised like financially. If you look at all these like studies and stuff that they take their data from, they're all funded by like Coca-Cola and big ag and all these places. So it's like, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're corrupt, but it essentially does. Like if your study is funded by Skittles, they're probably going to say that Skittles are good for you. Like, let's be real. Like this is how it works. And I don't know, there's so many things that bother me about it. Cause I don't know, like the FDA recommending certain types of food, like say a low fat diet. Like remember, like, I don't know if you remember this growing up, but like in the nineties, there's like the snack wells cookies. They're like, Oh, they're fat free. So they're healthy for you. Like all these things are healthy for you. And like, that's how we ate growing up as well, like in my family, because my, my parents listened to like the government guidelines on food. And I think most 
most people do in the United States because they don't have the time to sit there and read it and listen to every podcast about nutrition and, and diet. And so they're like, okay, the FDA says to do this. I'm going to follow what they say. And then we see like the the detriment of doing that where like obesity, like we're the most obese country in the world. And like Mexico's down there with us as, or up there with us as well. And it's because we get a bunch of hyper-processed crap. And that kind of brings me to my my next reason why I disagree with this guy for quoting the FDA or what you're saying specifically about Andrea um, where she's confused about manufactured slash processed. And like, I know there's specific definitions for things. You can go in the dictionary and look up like processed or manufactured and there's that definition, but then how people use that word is drastically different. So Andrea yeah. saying manufactured processed food does not necessarily mean that like don't eat a steak because it was processed. What she's meaning is hyper-processed, hyper-palatable crap, like Skittles and like whatever French toast, bread, like high fructose corn syrup, all these things that are not natural foods. And so I get this guy's point. I know what he's saying, but like, if you just like, for example, in English, like the word scheme here in the United States, the word scheme has a negative connotation to it. If you say like, oh, I have a scheme to like, whatever, start a business. It's like, that sounds very negative. But then like in New Zealand and Australia, for example, they use the word scheme as a plan. So like words are used differently where you are. And so while Andrea is using the word um, as manufactured or processed, she's referring to like these packaged foods that are just all over the grocery store and not necessarily like, oh, I boiled, I don't know, whatever, some potatoes or I boiled fruit or something to make something like that's, yeah. that's how she's using the word. And like, so I think that needs to be made clear that people use words differently than their definition or different than their definition. And that matters. And it's like, everybody knows what she's referring to. So like this guy just trying to like, okay, well, you're not using the word properly. Is this kind of like, it's kind of a straw man argument in my opinion, but whatever. I don't, sorry, I just kind of ranted for a minute. But like, <laughs> what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, I think it's a nitpicky comment, but like, cause I mean, at that point of the show, we were talking, I believe we were talking about Andrea's transition to how she is eating today, if I'm not mistaken. I don't remember exactly, um, but probably, yeah. Like, I, I think we talked about Pop-Tarts like a couple of times. I know you referenced Pop-Tarts. We talked about chips and stuff like that. So it's like, like, yeah, like for the most part, I feel like everybody understands that Andrea was referring to Pop-Tarts and chips and, and stuff that really have no nutritional value to it. Um, I don't think there's a lot of people that when they heard her say that thought, well, is she talking about Pop-Tarts or is she talking about a grilled steak? <laughs> like, exactly. Because <laughs> grilling is technically a form of processing your food. Right. And that's definitely not what she's referring to. Like, Yeah. So yeah. I do think it's like trying to find a way to like, you know, create a little bit of argument uh, or like just, uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know what I'm trying to say. Basically, I just, I agree with you, um, what you said, like, I don't think like the FDA is entirely credible. Um, like I remember growing up, like the, the biggest food group on the food pyramid, it was whole grains. Mm -hmm. And so like, I, as soon as I cut out whole grains, whole grains, my health improved drastically. Yeah. And I know that that's my experience and that that shouldn't be like, you know, considered science, but it's like, <clears throat> There are thousands, millions, like maybe not millions, there could be, but there are thousands, hundreds of thousands of like testimonials all through like meat-based websites of people who share how once they cut out whole grains specifically and processed foods, and by processed foods, I mean like the, the, the junk, the Pop-Tarts and the chips, <laughs> that their health improved drastically. So it's like 
it's not just me. It's not just you. It's not just Andrea. It's happening all over. And so, yeah, like FDA personally, like when I see a quote from the FDA, I don't necessarily agree with it. And I just, um, I feel like most people who are listening understand what Andrea meant. Yeah. 100%. So, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I hope that wasn't a too, uh, like too harsh of an answer, but you know, it's just, it's just the way it is. Like he does have a point, like grilling a steak is a processed food. It's a manufactured food or whatever, like, you know, eat it raw <laughs> according to, to that definition. But most people understand what's that, what, what she meant. <laughs> I'm yeah. just repeating myself now. So we'll stop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, I guess I, I just, I'm just very passionate about that. And I hate this whole thing of like, just do what the government says. Cause it works. And it's like, that's 100% not true. And if you look at history, that's, you can do your own research on that. Like I don't need to sit there and go into uh government or politics here. Um, but we'll jump to another question. That's a little more, uh, a little, uh, I don't know, less polarizing probably. Actually, maybe it is polarizing. Everything is polarizing these days, especially when it comes yeah. to food and diet. Um, I'll, I'll say this guy's name. It's I, And I don't know how to say it. And I, I apologize because we've chatted a bunch online and super good person. But Jasha Reynolds, maybe maybe Joshua. So I, I don't oh. know, honestly. Do you know this person? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Am I saying their name right? Do you know? I don't know. <laughs> I, I actually, okay. So to this person, I apologize because every time I read your messages, I say your name differently in my head and I'm trying to figure out how to say it. So uh, maybe I'll I always, I always say it, Joshua in my head. Okay. Maybe they can send us an audio message someday and we can figure this out. Yeah. <laughs> They're a great person. And, um, uh, but anyways, they say, Hey Derek, I'm super pumped about the podcast. I love this nutritional lifestyle and hearing it from uh, an ultra running perspective is awesome. I was curious if you or Mike had any input on LMNT supplements for sodium, electrolytes for helping the primal low carb type eating. Thank you. So Mike, I guess essentially it's just a question about sodium intake. So what are your thoughts on going low carb and supplementing with sodium or just getting enough sodium in general, I should say? Yeah, I think it's a uh, completely necessary or, um, Man, for some reason, when I'm on this podcast, I have the hardest time thinking of words. <laughs> um, <laughs> essential. That's the word I'm thinking for thinking of. Uh, I, I do believe it's essential because when you go low carb, you lose um, basically carbs hold on to water. Or did I say that backwards? No, you're right. Carbs, hold, carbs yeah. hold on to water. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So basically when you eliminate carbs or drastically lower your carb intake, your body's going to just start dumping water. Uh, that's a big reason people who go low carb see like drastic reduction in weight <clears throat> the first couple of weeks, it's mostly water weight. And so obviously with that water that you're dumping, you're also losing more electrolytes. And so one of the, like, I'm sure everybody's heard of the keto flu where you get like super groggy, super brain fog and, uh, very like headaches. Uh, a big portion of that can be fixed if you just simply supplement electrolytes. And so, yeah, I believe it's essential. <clears throat> um, I personally, I use Redmond Relight personally uh, over LMNT. Uh, this is just me quoting Jeff Browning. Uh, I I haven't done this resource research myself, but uh, according to Jeff, he reached out to LMNT and they use just basic table salt for their sodium. Whereas Redmond Relight, they use real salt, salt with mineral in it. <clears throat> and so personally, I think Redmond Relight's a better option 
And I personally probably do about three scoops of that a day mixed with water, which is roughly 3000 or so milligrams of sodium that I'm supplementing a day. And that goes down if I'm not working out as much, but roughly three scoops a day is what I do. Yeah, I'm about the same. Like I did Element, like I bought a bunch of it. Um, I think it was on Zach Bitter's podcast and get some promo things. So I tried it and like, I, I don't, I don't love it. I don't hate it. Um, the mango chili flavor is actually really good. Um, oh, that sounds it, awful. It's, it's really good. Uh, maybe that's like the Arizona kid and me talking now. Um, okay. <laughs> but they're, they're flavor, like it tastes fine for sure. And they do have like what they say is like the perfect ratio of like electrolytes and everything. And the sample or the little um, single serve packets are really convenient. Um, and I'm definitely not against their company by any means, but I think the Redmond's Relight is better um, simply because they use real um, they use real sea salt, which is mined underground in Utah. So you're you're not getting any microplastics, and you're getting all these micro minerals in it as well. Um, plus, they have like chloride and magnesium and all these other things as well that are more from a natural source. Whereas I'm assuming with Element, I'm making an assumption here that. Um, based off the fact that these just use normal table salt that also their other minerals and electrolytes they're adding are just like the cheap stuff um, and they're not necessarily natural by any means um, and I've just had better results honestly um, with with Relight um, I didn't like it initially because I bought some that was like the pina colada flavor I didn't like it um, <laughs> but then Browning gave me some I think it was mango or something oh, time, and that's what I'm and, drinking right now <laughs> oh it's it's so good and now now I'm in love with it um, so I do the same thing about three scoops a day, depending on how hot it is. Um, so when it kicks off in summer, it gets really hot here. I, I sometimes go up to like five scoops a day. So like five grams of sodium, oh, um, nice. but I'm also a very heavy sweater. Like I'll go out on a run and like, if it's like a five mile easy run or whatever, like I'm just like crusted and salt at the end. Uh, so I definitely have to up that. And when, once I started upping my salt intake, um, cramps started to go away for the most part. Like I used to get really bad leg, leg cramps at night, even before going like more of like a keto low carb approach. And then when I started keto, it was just like, holy crap, like I just can't sleep at night anymore because leg cramps were so bad. Um, so once I upped my sodium to like five grams or so per day, I felt a lot better. Um, and so nice. I'm not necessarily recommending that people take five grams a day, but do what works for you and experiment with it. And you're going to feel better, honestly, I feel like. Yeah, I do think it's important to say I feel that in general, the population, uh, like, you know, people are just under on their electrolytes in general, even if you're not low carb. Uh, for example, my wife, Sarah, she used to get terrible migraines almost on the daily. Um, and I started essentially making her <laughs> take Relight every day. And like her, her headaches have drastically gone down <clears throat> on days when she you know, where it used to be like maybe four times a week. Now it's maybe once every couple of weeks that she gets a headache. Mm -hmm. And on those days that she does get a headache, she just simply adds a scoop of relight to some water and drinks it. And within like 30 minutes, her headache's gone. And so I do think it's safe to say that even if you're not low carb, that there's a good chance that you might need to supplement electrolytes because a lot of people aren't doing that. Yeah. And I think like, I know I just like dogged all over the government, but they rock recommend like two to 2.3 <laughs> grams of, of sodium per day, which is really not very much, especially if you're exercising. Mm -hmm. And then they're also recommending like, like 64 ounces of water. So you're essentially flushing out a lot of your sodium every day in your urine and in your sweat. So I think it is really important. Even if you like aren't necessarily going low carb, if you're just eating more of like a clean, cleaner diet, like not fast food and all this processed junk, like go back to the process thing. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like if you're not eating like, like chips and whatever, your salt intake is drastically decreasing. 
So you do need to add more salt to your diet. And chances are you're not getting enough by like just putting some on your meat or your steak or something at night or your eggs in the morning. So just supplementing until you find that balance that works for you is great. And from what I understand, like your sweat rate or your sodium loss per liter doesn't necessarily change. Um, It's like a genetic thing. So yours is going to be slightly different than mine. It could be like, like yours could be like a gram and a half per liter. Mine could be a gram per liter, but essentially it stays the same. So you just got to kind of figure that out. You could do a, a salt sweat or sweat salt test, whatever you want to call it, um, yeah. to figure that out. Or you can just kind of play around with the um, stuff and figure it out. Yeah, for sure. And one more quick thing. There are cheaper, because Redmond Relight, I think it's like 60 bucks for like a small jar that lasts a month or two. Uh, I mean, it's great because the ratios are already predetermined and you just scoop it and go. But there are cheaper ways to do it. Like for example, I have, uh, have you ever heard of the company bulk supplements? Yeah. I have um, a package of their L-theanine or something. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bulk supplements. Like you can basically just buy, you know, like potassium and magnesium in bulk and it's pretty cheap. Like I bought a bag of potassium. that was like 16 bucks and a bag of magnesium for 20 bucks. And mm-hmm. like it lasts like almost the whole year. <laughs> yeah, like, I've had the L-theanine bag for like two years now. <laughs> yeah, same here. <laughs> so it's like, you know, I like and like the the serving size is like crazy. It's like 2000, then like some ratio that I don't even understand. <laughs> like, so it is harder to like figure out how much you should get. But, you know, a lot of times too, I'll just reach in there and grab like a pinch and just like sprinkle it into some milk or something like that. So mm-hmm. There are other ways to get electrolytes if you don't feel like forking out 60 bucks a month for, for Redmond Relight or something equivalent. Yeah. And I think also with on the element site or the element however you want to say it, I think they do have like a DIY electrolyte mix. Um, so instead of buying their oh. product, they'll essentially tell you how to make your own. Um, I've never done oh, it. Cool. And I'm assuming it's a lot easier just to buy the packets and be done with it. <laughs> like even like what you're saying though, with like the Redmonds, um, you buy that thing, the little like little teeny tub as you're talking about, right? Yeah, it has like 60 servings, I think, in it. So if it is like $40, that's cheaper than like what most people spend on a Gatorade or something every day. Plus you get way higher, higher quality drink. And it's really like it's under a dollar a scoop, essentially. It's like 75 cents or something. And the cheapest you can find a Gatorade for like at a gas station is like a buck or 50 or two bucks or something. So if you were doing that daily, like you'd be saving money doing this. That's a good point. Yeah. Critical yeah. thinker. Nice. Yeah, I do what I can. <laughs> yeah, but you can definitely make it cheaper. Like if you really are pinching pennies, um, buy the bulk supplement stuff and you could have enough for a drink mix for a year probably. And you can yeah. just add some like lemon juice or something if you want flavor in it. And it's not like, it's pretty good actually. Yeah, that's a good idea because uh, just bulk potassium is disgusting. Well, potassium <laughs> tastes terrible. <laughs> yeah, it's awful. It tastes like fish or something. I don't know. I don't like it. Oh, it's so gross. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but good drink. question yeah, oh go, go ahead, ahead. Uh, nothing to i was just gonna say good question joshua hopefully we're saying that right <laughs> okay so let's move on to the next one um this one is kind of just like a snarky comment that somebody made about our um how to eat animal based while traveling so i just thought it'd be oh, yeah. kind of funny to talk about it um i don't even know how to say this person's name monsieur mayonesa or something i don't know like who knows maybe it's <laughs> spanish i don't know um i should know that i speak spanish but this person commented, this is a real convo, question mark, as if it is a challenge to eat animals in this country, question mark. And like, ah. <laughs> their, their grammar kind of bothers me right there. But like, I think that they just missed the entire point of the conversation. It's like, yeah, of course, you can go get like 
you can go get a hamburger anywhere you want. You can get chicken almost anywhere you want. Like it's not a big deal, but like the issue is eating properly. Like I can go into Quality. any gas station. Exactly. Yeah. I can go to any gas station, get Slim Jims and a, like a taco roller thing off the, the hot thing they have there. It's not going to be good. Bahama for me. Mama. Uh, the old, yeah, Bahama Mama and a Moab burrito and, yeah. and, and whatever. <laughs> it's like and a thing of like normal milk. Like it's easy to find. But that's like bottom of the barrel for eating healthy. It's like, okay, I'm vegan, so I'm just gonna eat Sour Patch Kids. Like, but yeah, you can eat vegan anywhere in the country as well, but that doesn't mean it's the proper vegan diet. And so right. the comment is kind of like, in my opinion, just kind of stupid and just trying to be snarky and like, oh yeah, I trumped you with this silly comment. It's like, no, you didn't. Like, you just kind of made yourself look like an idiot. So I mean, I'm kind of on a kind of on today. I feel like I was like, you're kind of harsh today, dude. <laughs> I just got done with the run. All the endorphins are kicking in or something. Like, geez. Yeah. I haven't seen this side of you. <laughs> no, yeah, that's um I think maybe so between the first comment with like the processed and manufactured foods and between this comment, maybe I mean I, I like trying to find value in comments, even if I don't mm-hmm. agree with them. So I do think maybe we could do better like wording titles to our podcast. So like maybe like instead of how to eat animal based while traveling, it could have been like how to eat quality animal byproducts while traveling or something like that. I don't know, but, but yeah, like it does seem like a snarky comment, but maybe there was some, um, like what's this again? I can't think of the word I'm trying to say. <laughs> maybe there was some like earnestness, so like sincerity in the comment. I don't know. I don't know this person, yeah. but yeah, I don't yeah. either. There's definitely some, like, you're right. Like, I should take a step back, but there's some value in it. It's like, okay, maybe we do need to like be more deliberate in titling things. Because yeah. yeah, it is easy to find meat, but it's like how to eat animal based properly while traveling. Or yeah, something would be better. So you're right. Yeah, you are. You are. <laughs> <laughs> Take my ego down a notch. You got me there. Okay, good. Sorry <laughs> to do that on on public. <laughs> oh no, it's good. It's good for me. It's good for my humility. <laughs> okay. <laughs> cool. Um, were, were those the only questions? Yeah. Um, a friend of ours um, sent me a picture of some like um, some wraps slash tortilla type things. And he was just wondering like our thoughts are on like keto junk food type stuff because we had mentioned it in the podcast. Um, and I think I don't remember if I sent you the the thing of the um, the tortillas, but the tortillas are basically kind of like what we've talked about before, where it's like, yeah, it's it's lower carb, but it's still full of just like just a bunch of grains and everything. It still has wheat in it. And it's like, OK, well, it's an eight eight gram of carbs per tortilla and there's two grams of fiber then you look at the ingredients and it's like soybean oil like soy this soy that like there's still gluten and like the ingredient list is like a mile long um yeah this is a guy i respect a lot and i know you know him as well i'm not going to say his name on camera he's a super good dude um but it's like the ingredient list is like 30 40 things and it's like and what i ended up telling him was like yeah just try to stick to whole foods as best you can Um, maybe if you were in a pinch that could be an option if you were if you were strictly like going keto or something but i think like just eating whole foods instead of trying to like find like these like kind of workarounds it, it's just better to eat real food yeah like especially in your day-to-day like i used to eat that kind of not not the uh, mission tortillas like i knew that those were junk from the get-go <laughs> but like there are a lot of keto snacks that i used to eat and um like I I do feel a lot better now that I've like basically cut out those things from my day to day, but I do think it is important to say that I do think there's a place for those in like races, for example, or training runs, mm-hmm. like, you know, instead of grabbing a, a box of Oreos to take with you on a training run, like, you know, there's the, what are they called? Simple Mills. Have you heard of that brand? 
Yeah, I've seen those. They have like the yellow and white package or something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they have they have cookies that are like made with almond flour. So like I'll use those on my training runs. Um, there's the Simply Elizabeth grain-free granola. They, you know, use like some coconut sugar to sweeten it, but there's no wheat or gluten in it. So I'll use those on my training runs. Like, so I do think like with what we're doing as ultra runners that like, because unless you're going to eat meat and eggs at your races, you, you need to train your gut and have like whatever it is that you're going to have on race day. And so I do think that there are a lot of keto snacks that you can utilize if you want to eat cleaner is all I'm trying to say. Yeah, I agree. And like initially, like when I when I did keto, I was like, oh, Quest bars, like they taste okay. The birthday cake one, they taste okay and it's easy and convenient. But like you look at the ingredients, it's like, oh, that's kind of disgusting. So I haven't touched one of those in a long time <laughs> yeah. because of that, because it's not real. Well, I think there's sunflower oil in those, right? Uh, or something. Probably. I don't even remember. Like I haven't, I used to buy them on for film shoots all the time because it's convenient to have something keto. But now yeah. I look back, I'm like, oh, it's disgusting because it's, yeah, it's keto. So it's like keto friendly, whatever the buzzword is. But it's just total like Franken food. Like it's it's not real food. Like it's yeah, it's edible, but it doesn't mean it's like good for you by any means. And so yeah. as I've I've kind of the same thing as you as I've cut those things out, I feel a lot better and just like, okay, well maybe I should just have like a couple bananas or bring some fruit with me or like meat and cheese type stuff. And I just feel a lot better doing that because you are eating real food. But it's like really like, yeah, it's it's low carb, but it's no better than like a Snickers or something, unless you're having issues <laughs> you with your uh, blood sugar spiking like crazy. Right. Um, but I, I do agree with you a lot too on like training your gut for training runs. Cause like you're saying it is a muscle as well and your body has to know how to handle those things. And like your gut flora changes so consistently that like, if you change your diet, like say you go all meat, like, okay, like, maybe you're going to have digestive issues for a week or two, but then it's going to clear up and it's because your gut flora is changing. So if you never, say you never have those simple meals crackers and suddenly you have them during a race, your body's probably gonna be like, Oh, like, what is this? And it might cause some gastric distress. And so I've, I'm a big fan of that. And I used to always have issues. And like, I still do like sometimes like whatever. It's not like, like, this is like a panacea um, to fix all your issues, but like training with things that you're going to be eating in a race, but don't make those like, oh, I'm going to wake up and have like a couple gels in the morning for breakfast and then have like a bunch of almonds or something like that. Obviously it doesn't make any sense, but like, if you're going to say you're racing with like a specific drink mix, take that drink mix on your workouts, take these specific chews on your whatever. And like, I've been um, experimenting with different type of gels recently, like, and drink mixes and like the the honey stinger ones like i don't think they taste very good but they tend to sit well in my stomach because they're mainly just honey and water and which mm-hmm. is something that i drink pretty much every day or i have it pretty much every day um but other things too though, like just like i've tried fluid i've tried tailwind i've tried roctane all these different drink mixes and i just think it's like you were saying it is important to to mess around with things find what works and then kind of stick to that regimen so that way your body can adapt and it's not just being blindsided on race day but just don't make those things like a a principal part of your diet because they're yeah. not their performance type foods it's kind of like i think we talked about it before it's like like the nos system you don't want to just like you don't want to be running <laughs> nos all day and just like to the max you need to have like that the baseline then you can add the nos when you need it and so that's kind of how i look at it anyways yeah i'd agree with you yeah that said though like i'm also not like i'm not winning western states so maybe uh <laughs> <laughs> take this all with the greatest salt i'm not adam peterman or, or jim Walmsley or something so <laughs> yeah that's true it just goes yeah. back to we're all different <laughs> exactly but i do think it is important and i've i feel like we've said this a few times but just like find what works for you and mm-hmm. and roll with that and like you might have to change things over time like you and i have both changed your diets and like jeff browning has zach bitter has like everybody has like i think it's important to look at new data and based off how you feel and how you're aging and what you're doing and your, what your goals are in life and base your diet off of that. Yeah. So 
Cool. Yeah. Well, I think we're caught up on questions then, right? Yeah, I think that was all of them. So those, nice. were, those were fun to talk about. We might have to start, you know, hopefully best case scenario, we start getting more and more questions, but <clears throat> we might have to like start recording twice a week, do like a podcast episode and a Q&A episode, because if we had Andrea on today, we wouldn't have any time to talk to her. <laughs> See, for real, I was just thinking that like it might be cool to do a Q&A week or something occasionally, maybe just like load up on questions and then um, have a full episode of that. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. a good idea. Yeah. Cool. Well, I think um, something else me and Derek wanted to do before we dive into this episode, and I don't know if you're crunched for time, Derek, and if we want to skip it till next week or not. Um, are yeah, you we, might, we might have to at this point. Um, we've been re- okay. recording for a while, so it kind of just depends, okay. I guess. Well, we'll we'll do this next week, but something we're going to start doing is uh, both Derek and I are going to pick a post or an article that we've seen. Uh, it could be in favor of an animal-based diet. It could be not in favor of an animal-based diet, or it could be anything really, but nutrition related. And we're both going to bring those posts up and just get each other's thoughts on it. Because, you know, I saw something last week that I thought was absolutely bonkers and I'd be curious to hear Derek's thoughts on it, but we can, yeah. let's just do it. Yeah, let's do it probably, this week. Yeah, let's, let's do just it. do it. Okay. Yeah, let's yeah. do it. Yeah, okay. I say okay. you go first because you, uh, you brought up the idea. And okay. like, I have a post queued up because like we send each other crap all the time, and, <laughs> but I want to hear yours because you seem really excited about it. And uh, yeah, so shoot it oh, Yeah. I don't know if I'm excited about it, but I'm just blown away <laughs> by it. So it's like, so, okay. So it was on a, a page that was promoting vegans and, and, and I wouldn't say, so like, you know, me and Derek, this podcast promotes meat eating, uh, but we're doing it just to share another side to the story because eating meat is being very villainized or demonized. And so we're just trying to say, Hey, this actually works for a lot of us. Uh, this page though, it's not necessarily, this is what works for us, but it's like, it's kind of like a hate promoting page. Like we're vegan. And if you're not vegan, you're going to go to hell kind of a thing. Sounds like PETA or something. (laughs) I'm not going to say names. (laughs) It's not, it's not PETA though. (laughs) Um, anyway, so it was a post that was talking about how, like, it was kind of a snarky post that said, eat meat and you're going to feel amazing. And then below it, it says, actually, you're going to get cancer. You're going to get this. You're going to get this. And the last thing that it says was, is you're going to get type two diabetes. And like, I'm just really curious to hear what you think of that, because I've heard the claims that like meat gives you cancer, for example. Um, I personally believe the studies that dive into that, like it's either on low quality meat, like burgers from mcdonald's or meat paired with refined carbs like i I don't feel like those study or processed meat like bacon like you know processed meat is i think technically labeled as a carcinogen and so yeah like carcinogens can give you cancer so it's like i can see why people claim that meat can give you cancer but type 2 diabetes like (laughs) from what i the way i understand diabetes works it's you have an unstable blood sugar and your blood sugar spikes from eating carbs, not meat. Uh, and, and if you are a type two diabetic, like my mother, my mom, for example, she's a type two diabetic. She has to limit carbs, but she can eat all the meat she wants. And so that claim that meat can give you type two diabetes, like my head hurts trying to think about why they would claim that. Do you do you have any insight into why that might be a claim? My my first reaction is show me any data that directly correlates or d- that shows that meat causes type two diabetes. Cause 
there are zero data out there showing that. I guarantee it. Like, like any data that are showing, oh, meat causes diabetes is because you're eating McDonald's with a Coke and French fries and all this refined crap. It's not yeah. because of the meat. So like, just because it's correlated doesn't mean it's causing it. And it's like, okay. most people eating McDonald's are probably also having a McFlurry and then go and get an ice cream or whatever afterwards. So it's like, just because you eat meat does not mean you're getting type two diabetes. Like, if that were true, then like guys like Sean Baker would have diabetes right now because all he oh, yeah. he's done so for how many years or Anthony Chafee, like he's been on pure carnivore for what, 20 plus years. Does he have right. diabetes? No. Like it, it makes zero sense even logically because like it doesn't spike your blood sugar. Like, exactly. <laughs> why would like something that doesn't barely even move the needle on your blood sugar levels cause diabetes? Like I, I don't get it. And if it did, like, why would my mom be able to eat as much meat as she wants? Like, exactly. If it, like, it wouldn't be, hey, Sand- Sandy's the name of my mom. It's like, hey, Sandy, you have diabetes. You need to eliminate meat. That's yeah. not, that's not the discussion she had with him. It was, you need to start limiting your carb intake, specifically the junk carbs. Like, yeah. So it just, it's, it's ridiculous. Like, imagine a doctor saying to your mom, Okay, you have diabetes, so cut out meat and start eating Starburst every day. Like, you're right. Like that that goes against. That's just pure freaking stupidity. Like, let's just be real about it. I I'm definitely on one today for whatever reason, but like that that post makes zero sense. Like, I have friends with diabetes, type one, type two, whatever. Like, my dad was pre-diabetic, and what did the doctor tell him to do? Stop drinking Dr Pepper every day. He stopped doing that. He's not pre-diabetic anymore. He still eats meat. Like. Meat is exactly. not causing diabetes. There, there are zero data showing that. And I would love for somebody to send me a study showing that eating meat directly causes type two diabetes. Like any yeah. one study, like you're not going to find it. I guarantee it. Right. I mean, I would venture to say I used to be pre-diabetic, uh, just based off of how I ate and diabetes runs in my family, and <clears throat> I had a lot of like rashes after eating carbs and whatever, but you know, ever since eating this way, I've done a lot of experimentation with continuous blood glucose monitors. Mm-hmm. And like my blood glucose is almost too stable. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I, I don't know if I've said this on this podcast before or not. I know I've said it to you, Derek, but one of the times that I had a continuous blood glucose monitor, it was right after the Moab 240. Uh, I, I got a vasectomy and there's a reason I'm telling you that <laughs> it's like, <laughs> Between being right after Moab 240 and between right after having a vasectomy, like I just, I had to basically, I couldn't do a lot of physical activity for a little bit of time. Mm-hmm. So I was just like, Hey, this is going to be a good time to test my, how my body responds to certain foods since I'm wearing this continuous blood glucose monitor. So there was a day that I had, and you know, I'm the low carb runner. So I'm admitting to a day where I was not the low carb runner, <laughs> but like I had three crumble cookies which I believe is like 2,500 calories, (laughs) three crumble cookies. I had like a ton of chips from Chipotle. And I know Derek loves Chipotle. (laughs) They're cooking canola oil and they're proud about it, which is. I know. (laughs) Uh, Tons tons of cookies, tons of chips. I had cheap Chinese food. I I went to Panda Express and got breaded chicken. I got chow mein. I got egg rolls. Like I ate terrible this day and my blood glucose did not go over 120 which according to like the guidelines, the regulations or whatever, 80 to 120 is supposed, or maybe it was 70, 70 or 80 to 120 is in the normal range. So even eating all that, my blood sugar stayed in the normal range. So 
eating this way has corrected my blood sugar spikes. It's made me more metabolically healthy. And like when I have a random day like that, where I eat junk like that, like it doesn't affect my blood glucose. Like it's, it's all I'm saying is like things in that area specifically, like with blood glucose is fixed itself and improved tremendously ever since I've started eating this way. Yeah. And I, I would, I don't know. I guess I would, I bet that if you can continue to eat Panda Express and crumble every day, right. Your blood sugar would be jacked, but like, like, I'm not saying it's like ideal. Obviously you said you ate a bunch of junk, but like do that occasionally. Like it's not going to be the end of the world for you. Right. Which is good to hear that your body's functioning properly, but then it's, I don't know. Like it just makes sense. That's really interesting that you're able to do that. Yeah. So that's my, what should we call this? The, the, what the post of the week, the WTF <laughs> I wanted to, post of the, week. the WTF post of the week. That's what we're going to call it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that was mine. What about yours? I like it. Mine's uh, not as insane. I actually had two I wanted to talk about. Uh, more, one is this more interesting. The other one um, is from a guy. He owns a, a nutrition company. Um, it makes like gels, essentially. They're more of like a, a whole foods type gel. Um, everyone knows who they are, but I'm not going to name them because uh, it's not even relevant. Um, but he's vegan, as far as I know. And he was in New York and posted a thing about the New York City eating guidelines. And I know a lot of people probably don't follow all this stuff closely. I follow politics really heavily. But in New York, they do like meatless Mondays now in their schools and all these different things. So there's definitely this push um, for having less meat and less animal-based products in schools, which is insane in itself. Um, but he posted a thing, which I'm assuming is like at a restaurant or something. It's kind of like the the my plate of New York City, essentially. Mm-hmm. And it relates to diabetes as well. But <clears throat> the poster says, did you know, question mark, <laughs> which is kind of annoying to me, but it says eating too many added sugars may lead to type two diabetes and weight gain. And then below it says, try these healthy options throughout your day. And there's a picture of fresh vegetables. It's just like, I don't even know, like some basil and some tomatoes or something water and seltzer, fresh fruits, uh, beans, nuts, and seeds, whole grains, and seafood. And so like uh, on a surface level- What was that last one? Did you say seafood? Seafood, yeah. It's like a, looks like a piece of like cod or something. I don't know. It's a white fish of some sort. Um, And it has a bunch of vegetables underneath of it. Um, So like what bothers me, number one about this is like, it's again, it's the government telling you what to eat, which that bothers me in itself because- because of lobbying and stuff is why we have our food crisis or part of the reason why we have a food crisis here in the United States is because of lobbying and these like big pharma, big ag, um, big food companies, and then corruption in the government. And they and really like, have no business telling us what to eat. It's, it's exactly. none of their business. Yeah. Like it has nothing to do with like the role of the government. Um, and so like on a surface level, honestly, like all this stuff is way better for you than like going to a bodega and buying a bunch of chips and like, whatever like fried junk they have there like I'll, I'll give them that like that is very valid like it's better than like hot dogs and the street food junk you're gonna find but like in the end though like this isn't much of a nutrient-dense diet so it's like okay like eat eat some salad okay like what do you do you get like no no vitamins and minerals out of that like it's very minimal what your body's gonna absorb There's zero almost zero calories in that so it's like okay water and seltzer yeah i do that all the time like wait what were you gonna say <laughs> I was just going to say, I mean, there's got to be something in salads, right? Like, yeah, but like, yeah, well, there's fiber, but it's like really like how much are you getting out of like a few grape tomatoes and like some, I don't know, a little bit of iceberg lettuce or something. I don't even know what kind right. of lettuce this is. It's not iceberg. It's like some sort of like small, like microgreen type stuff. And it's like, yeah, like there are little like bits of nutrients in that, which is fine, like whatever. But it's like, 
that shouldn't be the base of your diet every day. Like how much salad do you have to eat to like equal even a few eggs? Like it's it's pretty right. insane. And then like it says water and seltzer, which is like okay, like I, I get what they're going for, but it's like a seltzer water with a lemon in it. Yeah, that's good. Like obviously like it's way better for you than soda. But yep. it's also like there's there's nothing in that. So it's okay. It's kind of just like staying hydrated, which is fine. Fresh fruit, yeah, that's awesome. Uh the beans, nuts, and seeds, yeah, that's better than like I don't know, like a protein bar that's just hyper processed. But it's still like how much of that are you actually absorbing as far as like a protein source? It's like very minimal. And then the whole grains thing, it's like a whole, it's a bowl of rice. Like rice is essentially just empty carbs. Like there's not a lot yeah. of anything in there. And the next thing is seafood. Yeah, that's way better. Like a plate of fish is going to be awesome for you. But like that's really the only protein, like really bioavailable protein on this whole thing. So essentially they're saying like fill your diet with all these plant material or all this plant material they need a little bit of protein it's like that's not what kids need kids need the opposite it should be like five squares of like types of protein like raw dairy beef chicken eggs whatever and then like water and seltzer and fruit and so it just bothers me because like it just shows that like there's just like this agenda for like this plant-based push and like yeah. all the data are showing it's really not healthy for you like you're lacking so many vitamins and minerals and just even macros you're lacking yeah it's basically a um what is it pescatarian yeah is it pescatarian yeah. pescatarians yeah, eat vegetables and fish right yeah you you just don't eat like red meat chicken like land animals for the reason but you'll eat yeah. seafood yeah i don't know the argument Man, for it but i don't either it's like fish fish lives matter less than chickens and like beef <laughs> yeah, i don't know someone told me it's because they don't feel pain the same way but i'm like i'm pretty sure it's still a living organism so right i, I don't know <laughs> But um, it just bothers me, though, when it's, like, people are just pushing, like, this whole, like, essentially, like, a vegan or vegetarian agenda. It's, like, red meat is way better for you than all this stuff. And, like, I'll take that to the grave because it's true. This is blatantly true. Like, and it's, like, even if they did, like, I don't know, like, okay, don't get type 2 diabetes and weight gains. Like, well, eat some eggs. Eggs are way better for you than, like, most of the stuff here. And, like, if you just eat a bowl of rice... And then you have some like water and seltzer and some fresh vegetables. Like you're going to think based off this chart, you're eating healthy, but you're not like, you're not getting any of the macros that you need besides a bunch of carbohydrates. And it's kind of insane to me. Yeah. At least they listed the fish though. I'll give them that. Like, that's true. Like just looking it over, I do think that that's a, I think it's a healthy diet. Like you have to supplement some stuff, not as much as like a pure plant-based diet with no meat so at mm -hmm. least there's some meat in there but yeah like <clears throat> there's obviously an agenda out there to have people drastically reduce the amount of eggs and, and red meat that they're eating yeah. like the agenda's there if you don't see that then i don't know what to tell you because it's pretty obvious <laughs> um like i think it was I, I saw something somewhere where it basically said that you should eat an egg substitute fried in vegetable oil before you eat an egg fried in butter. <laughs> um, don't understand the logic in that, but basically all I'm trying to do is use that as an example and show that there is an agenda out there to get us to not eat meat and eggs or uh, sorry, red meat and eggs. Yeah. So I do think that, you know, as a whole, that that is a, a good diet, but I also see that, they are trying to um, push an agenda as well. Yeah. And I think too, like, like, cause you are right. Like having that seafood in there would definitely like make it like a, like a sustainable diet. But I do feel like most people are going to be like, well, I don't like seafood. Cause like how many people eat fish like daily mm. or even <laughs> weekly? Like most yeah. people don't. 
So you're going to look at this and be like, well, I'm going to have a bunch of beans and nuts and nut butters and seeds and a bunch of rice and bread because that's a whole grain, essentially fresh fruit. You have a lot of fruit. So you're going to be lacking protein probably. And like, you can make the argument yeah. of getting it from like your beans and rice and your nuts and seeds, but like the bioavailability isn't there. Right. And so people are going to look at this too. And also in their heads, they kind of demonize red meat and chicken and these other animal products and dairy, especially because it's not on this chart. And so yeah. it, it's almost like demonizing things without saying it outright. It's like a backhanded way of demonizing animal-based products. Yeah. It's almost as if they're getting smart. They're like, Hey, we're too aggressive. We need to back off and just start promoting stuff. That's not red meat and eggs versus saying, stop eating red meat and eggs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's an interesting one. I'll just say, I agree with you. <laughs> yeah. It's not as extreme as yours by any means. Like yours was definitely more, um, more, WTF. Uh, <laughs> yeah, more WTF, but it still kind of bothered me though. And like, I, I just hate like how in the endurance sports world, there's like this push of like, oh, you got to be vegan to be healthy where it's very clear these vegan people burn out so fast. And I don't know. That's yeah. I mean, day, I feel like, yeah, let's save it. <laughs> you said you had another one or are you not doing it? Yeah, this is just one. Cause I remember um, a few episodes back, I mentioned I started taking creatine. Um, oh yeah. So I think that's probably like three or four weeks ago now. And about the, the mass tub at Sprouts, it was like, 20 bucks like creatine is really cheap i think there's like 100 plus servings in it so like it's gonna last a few months oh, nice. <laughs> yeah and it's all like I know, it's this creatine um is it micronized creatine whatever you want to say so it's just like a really fine powder um but then i was talking to some someone who i know is way like super super knowledgeable in nutrition he's like yeah it's not that applicable to runners if you eat meat but then like the rda values which i know i'm like referencing that again is like have five grams of creatine per day and so you get most of your creatine from animal-based sources and so I was doing a, a bit of research on it because I was just curious and like how much I was getting because I'm taking the five grams a day, which is recommended. Mm -hmm. Plus, like how much am I getting via meat? And so I found this chart. Um, I should I'll put it in the show notes. I have to look it up the exact source again, but it's um it's a study from 1999. It's a little old now, but um basically it just went through and like told you how much creatine is in each pound of these certain types of products. So I'll just kind of go through it real quick and just get your thoughts on it, but. So, um, so cod has 1.4 grams of creatine, creatine, uh, per pound. Um, beef has two grams of creatine per pound. Herring, like the fish has three to four and a half grams of creatine per pound. Milk is like 0 0.05. So basically nothing. Um, pork is at 2.3 grams. Salmon is two grams. Shrimp is a trace amount. So basically not even, it's not relevant. Tuna, which I'm actually surprised about is 1.8 grams. Um, something called plaice. I don't know how you say it. P-L-A-I-C-E. I've never heard of it before and I forgot to look it up, but it has almost a gram. And then what really struck me was that fruits and vegetables are trace amounts as well. So what I find interesting about this is that if you're eating like a pretty heavy animal-based diet, you're going to get most of the creatine you need, um, but then you still might need to supplement a little bit. But then if you're on like a, a vegan or vegetarian diet, you're essentially getting zero creatine in your life, which is pretty wild because your like your brain needs it, your body needs it, everything needs creatine. And if you're not, if you don't have that, like you're gonna be essentially sick. So yeah. <clears throat> what did you say beef had? Beef has two grams per pound. Per pound. Okay. So technically, if you ate two and a half pounds then of beef a day, you'd get all the creatine you need. 
but most people are not eating two and a half pounds of beef. I'm not eating that much a day. Like that's, no. that's quite a bit. <laughs> I'm having a pound a day. I know that much. So you're getting at least two grams or so. Um, yeah, but I'm also supplementing the five grams a day too from the powder. Okay. So you're getting like seven grams a day ish. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then just FYI, I looked up plice or however you say that. And it's a type of fish. Oh, really? Where, yeah. It's from? a common name for a group of flatfish that compromises four species, the European, American, Alaskan, and Scalae plice. Commercially, the most important plice is the European. I've never heard of that before. Me either. They look hella ugly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to look them up. <laughs> yeah, they did not look appetizing at all. My first thought was like, oh my gosh, people are eating this fish. It's <laughs> uh, good to know. Well, I guess I won't yeah. be ordering any of that anytime soon. No, it does not look good. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Well, we, um, we've we been recording for like an hour now, so I don't know if we want to dive into what we were planning on diving into this episode or just talk about a few random stuff again before wrapping up. <laughs> yeah, maybe this will just be the Q&A episode because... Um... Yeah, I don't think we have enough time to go into our stories. Initially, we were going to talk about our stories and like why we started eating this way and everything, but I think that's going to be pretty involved, so maybe we should just save it for next week. Yeah, let's do that. Okay. Are there any other questions that we got that you didn't go through? Um, if not, I can think of some questions that random people have asked me over the past few weeks. Oh, yeah. I don't necessarily have a question, but just something I noticed that was really interesting. Um, So let's do this one, then we'll jump into your questions because I have I really want to talk about this is kind of just like the, like the prevalence of like hyper-processed junk within the medical community. So, yeah. so last Friday, um, I did a, a VO2 max test. Um, I don't know if you've ever done that where they put like the mask on your face yeah. and on the treadmill and stuff. So Peter Defty from Vespa, he, he really interested in data. He's definitely a data nerd. He knows a lot. So Vespa's like this, like food that's supposed to like help with your like fat metabolism, fat metabolism type stuff. And like, it works data prove it and everything, but like he was doing a test on myself and another guy, Brian here, um, who lives in Tucson. So we drove out to Scottsdale out by Phoenix. We did this test. And so you do like a little bit of a warm up and have this whole facility. It's like a PT facility. And then there's like, like a zero gravity treadmill or anti-gravity or whatever. They have like a basketball court. There's people doing like rehab, massage therapy, all this type of stuff. So it's like a full on facility to like, say you hurt yourself, you can go get like repaired or whatever. Right. It's just okay. PT. Um, so these two women were doing the VO2 test Mac or max test with us. Um, and so Brian went first and like, I did my little warm up run to get ready for the test. And as I was waiting, I'm just kind of like pacing around and I was noticing just like random stuff. Like, like one of the, um, like the, she's not a doctor necessarily, but she's like a, a PT person. I don't know you would call them. Honestly, I don't know what degree she had. It's not really relevant, but I found it fascinating that she's walking around in there with a thing of like French fries from McDonald's or something. And I was like, Oh, hmm. that, that's kind of interesting. Like, all right. Like, I guess you can help people. You don't have to necessarily eat healthy, but then some guy walked in getting PT drinking a Pepsi. I'm like, Oh, that's kind of funny. Like you're getting PT and you're drinking Pepsi right now. Like, I don't know. It doesn't really seem very healthy. And then I turn my head and, um, and I noticed the sign. I wish I could just post it up right now, but it's like concessions in full bar upstairs. And so then on the picture of the, the concession sign, there's like, there's a Powerade, there's Coke, there's pizza, there's soft pretzels, hot dogs, like oh, a hot gosh. chocolate or like sugary coffee or something. So my thought in my head was like, holy cow, like we're living in the society where you go here to get healthy or you try to like maximize your health. And they're also selling you the same junk that you can buy at any gas station upstairs. So like on one hand, it's like, oh yeah, go get healthy, like do some PT, get a massage, blah, blah, blah. 
and go upstairs and drink a Coke and eat a soft pretzel with some like fake cheese. And this kind of blew my mind. Like I, I don't really have much more to say than that besides the prevalence of just this junk food in our society where you can go to any hospital or like clinic and they're gonna have the same sort of thing there too. And it's like, it's just so mind blowing. Like we're in this weird, like, I don't even know how to explain it to society where like we want to get healthy, but we're also like addicted at the same time to all this junk. And I don't know why it's like that, but it is. Well, and like specifically for a PT clinic, like <clears throat> added sugar and gluten are linked to inflammation. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, inflammation is uh, like, I always say inflammation is an enemy to recovery. And so if you're going to PT for whatever issues you're having physically, like <clears throat> if you're going to like go do a PT session and then walk upstairs and eat a couple of Reese's peanut butter cups, drink a Coke, get a pretzel, like you're going to experience at least some type of low grade inflammation, mm-hmm. which in my mind, like kind of, I don't want to say it counteracts the PT session that you just had, but I definitely think it lowers the effect that you could have from that PT session. Yeah, I agree. And like, and imagine if they had like real food upstairs, even like a smoothie bar or something yeah. like that, you could, you, you go your PT done. And like something like blueberries, those are really good for fighting inflammation, for recovery. They're like one of the best fruits out there. Go have a smoothie with blueberries in it. Like, why do you have to go have a Coke? Like, it makes some, or some protein. <laughs> yeah, have some protein with that, like something. And this is kind of mind blowing to me. It's almost like the conspiracy theorist to me says it's job security. It's like, okay, it's like going to the dentist. Like, you go to the dentist as a kid, they give you a toothbrush and floss, and toothpaste, and a bunch of candy. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah brush and floss, and then eat this candy, then come back in three months when you have a cavity so I can continue. Like, <laughs> filling cavities or pulling teeth out or something like so it's kind of like oh drink drink a coke after you've had like massage or whatever and have some inflammation and come back when your knee hurts again in a week or two it's like yeah the conspiracy theorist in me agrees with you (laughs) i think most people would honestly i don't even know if it's a conspiracy it's just like it just seems like it's real like this is happening like we need to stop this and it's like there needs to be more more diet taught i think in all aspects of medicine whether you're a physical therapist or like a cancer doctor or whatever, like you need to know diet because that's causing the issues. But when it's yeah. a money making machine, that's what it is. <laughs> that's uh, I'm glad you clarified and said that this is a PT facility that you went to because, you know, last week when Derek did this, he sent me a picture of that concession sand sign. And like I originally thought, actually, up until this moment, until you told me it was a PT clinic like i thought that that was vespa's headquarters oh no <laughs> and so i was just like really peter is or is that his name peter i yeah, forgot peter, peter Defty. yeah it's like really peter is like big into <laughs> fat adaptation and he has all this junk at his facility <laughs> so i'm glad that it wasn't his facility <laughs> no i should have clarified i was like i think i sent it to you and then i, I had to like jump onto my test and I had to go run for like half an hour on the treadmill and so I was yeah. kind of in a hurry sending it. I didn't really have time to clarify. So uh, my apologies. That's <laughs> <laughs> okay. We're good now. I could have just asked you, I guess. <laughs> that would have been funny though. It's like, I'll become fat adapted Peter at Def- or Peter at Vespa and drink a Coke or something. It's like, that's not going to Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's job security for him. It's like, eat all this junk, but take my product to help you like burn fat better. <laughs> yeah. Become metabolically unfit and then uh, take my product and it'll help you a little bit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, awesome oh, man. well so, uh oh go ahead i was say what were your questions then um do you have time to answer one or two of them or yeah well i um i wanted to go a little bit more into steven's question i believe okay. it was steven last week 
where he talked about like uh if you want to become fat adapted like what you should do uh carb timing wise yeah whether pre or post workout right yeah yeah so i was thinking a little bit more about that and like obviously this is going to depend on finances like if you can afford it because it can be quite pricey and i'll, I'll admit i don't fully understand like the the pros and cons of supplementing this i just know a lot of low carb athletes do and i know i've experimented with a couple times but not enough to fully understand what i think about it but um i'd be curious to hear what you think derek but somebody that wants to become fat adapted what are your thoughts on supplementing with like exogenous ketones so from what i understand your body whether you're fat adapted or not can burn ketones right like if you're in like a fat burning phase you're gonna burn them no matter what you have some level of ketones in your body but then like the point of going keto is to create your own ketones and so if say you're starting a ketogenic diet and you start supplementing with exogenous ketones then your body's not going to be producing them because they're already available it's almost like taking glucose externally like an external glucose source aka like a drink mix Right. But do you so, know if you stop taking those ketones, like has your body gotten used to having ketones in the system and that helps them, helps your body make ketones? I'm not a hundred percent sure. Um, okay. I would imagine it have some sort of effect on like your body knowing how to burn ketones, but it wouldn't necessarily, it wouldn't necessarily help the production of ketones. Okay. So if you were starting or wanting to become fat adapted, I'd say avoid that at all costs for the first like month or so, maybe even two months. And then if you are doing something longer, you could add those in versus like a carbohydrate drink mix or something. If that was yeah. your ultimate goal. Yeah. So Yeah, I'd say I agree with that because <clears throat> like, as I know that a lot of these ketone companies claim that, you know, eat a pizza, then take a shot of ketones and you're going to be fine, <laughs> basically, yeah. which I don't agree with at all. But <clears throat> I was wondering, as I was thinking more about Steven's question, if that is something that could help fast track somebody into being more fat adapted i guess i i don't think so but i could be totally wrong on that um i know that like like i've taken the hvmn um was it ketone mm-hmm. iq or something and yep. uh, we had that at ml lab 240 and i was pacing jeff um the last 40 or so miles we didn't eat very much honestly the that 40 miles like um we had ketone shots then obviously we saw the aid station got some food and whatever but like we were definitely like in a fat burning mode for most of that. And I had never really felt low on energy. Like it was a long time to be out there because it's the tail end of Moab 240. Um, right. But that said though, like I'm assuming my body has some sort of like ability to produce and burn ketones. Um, right. Yeah. I'm, I'm just kind of like rambling here, but like, I, I think if you want to maximize a ketone production and optimization, I would say don't mess with it. It's really expensive for what you're getting. And maybe mm-hmm. like once you are in that phase of like, okay, your body knows how to burn ketones and you're doing like a longer endurance event, experiment with it and see, but I don't, it's not going to help you make ketones necessarily, or even really optimize the use as far as like a cost per dollar perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe um, whenever we end up getting Zach Bitter on the podcast, we could ask him about that because I know he, last time I talked to him, he uses exogenous ketones quite a bit. Yeah, I'd be curious on how he uses them because like, he still does a little bit of carbohydrates like during longer events. Mm-hmm. Um, not like a ton, obviously, and he definitely is like ketogenic most of the time. So I'm curious, and he definitely knows more about that specifically. So it'd be really interesting to like pick his brain about why and when and like how to use them. Yeah, 
Yeah, we'll do that next time. <laughs> or next time we have him on. Or I guess yeah. the first time we have him on, we haven't had him yet. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that was one question that I was thinking about. Um, <clears throat> oh, man. I don't know if I'm going to remember all the other ones. But yeah. I, I do know I wanted to address that again because this morning I am... Um, <clears throat> That Dr. Denich that I've referenced a few times, <clears throat> I saw a post recently where he said that like one of the best pre-workouts is just salt water. Pre-workout yeah. supplements is salt water. Yeah. Have and you so, read his, his book, The Salt Fix? I haven't. You should listen to it. It's really interesting. Um, okay. He kind of goes through like the history and like why salt was demonized and like low salt diets and high salt diets and just everything about salt. And I find it really fascinating. Like I've tried his like like his pre-workout salt solution that he calls, or he calls it like a salt solution. And essentially like a super heavy amount of salt, like in a liter or so of water before you do a workout. Um, and the the goal is to maximize blood volume. Uh -huh. And I don't know, I've tried it before, like longer runs and events. And like, I like it. And like, honestly, I just use Redmond's Real Salt because it's really easy to like hit the right amount of sodium that way. Like you just use the Relight. It's like each scoop is a thousand milligrams. You can dump it in and it's really easy yeah. to measure that way. Um, but yeah, the book is really interesting. I listened to it a couple, I, I shouldn't say I read it cause I've listened to it on audible a couple times. Um, but it, it's really interesting if you have the time. Okay. Are you there? Yeah. You just froze a lot on my end. <laughs> okay. What was the last thing you heard? <laughs> uh, you said that you've listened to it on audible and then you stopped talking. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I listened to it a few times or a couple times on Audible, and I think it's it's a really interesting book. Um, just for people interested in sodium in general, because sodium is so demonized by everybody. And yeah. I don't really think it's as much of an issue. Like Grant, and there is actually a really good Huberman Lab podcast about sodium. Um, I don't know if you ever listened to to him, but Andrew Huberman. Uh, yeah, I have. He's really good. Yeah, he's a really good one about salt. So I think they they both benefit. And I'd love to have him, like Huberman and this other guy, um, whatever his name is. I always forget his name. Um <sighs> have them talk about salt because it'd be really fascinating like from a very scientific literature perspective it'd be really cool yeah if we could get them on that'd be awesome <laughs> oh man it's like a dream yeah there's a lot of people that i'd like to get on this a dream <laughs> <laughs> um anyway yeah the reason i brought up that like salt water pre-workout thing is just because this morning i went to i usually take a pre-workout before i go to the gym but today I decided to try the salt thing. So when I was getting my relight this morning, it's right next to the, I also have the HVM, HMVN, HVMN. Yeah, HVMN. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I have some of their ketone IQ shots too. So when I saw those, I started thinking of Steven's question and was just wondering if that had any correlation to helping somebody get more fat adapted. Yeah, I don't know if like, like a high salt, like solution would really help like become or help you become fat adapted. Oh no, no, no. Sorry. I just, I'm just oh. saying I saw the ketone shots oh, okay. that made me start thinking. I was just giving some like yeah, insight into why I wanted to go further into that question. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. No, that makes sense. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. <laughs> that, so uh, have you tried, like, have you um used his salt solution then? I mean, just this morning I took like water and relight before I went to the gym. That's all I've done. Just like a gram of, of salt or something. Yeah. yeah yeah um because i think on one of his instagram posts he has it laid out there and it's like three grams or i don't remember the exact it's a certain certain amount of sodium per liter i forgot exactly what it is i've it written down somewhere um, three grams per liter that's what you're thinking or more i don't remember exactly what it is so the his idea is that you prehydrate 
beforehand. So you just have like a mass amount of sodium in your body. And then, um, oh, and then it increases your blood volume. It's actually not that bad, honestly, especially if you use the relight because it's flavor. Well, no, I, I tried that before Coca Dona last year. And I think that's why I had so many stomach issues that first day. I think, yeah, I honestly, so the first time I did, I was like, holy cow, like I got to, I go to the bathroom a couple of times on my run. Um, because <laughs> like a high salt, like high sodium diet can lead to like diarrhea essentially. Yeah. Um, I think your body adapts to it as well. Cause now like I can, I could drink that. And like when I ran a colossal veil 50 K I did that beforehand and I didn't, uh-huh. I didn't go to the bathroom at all. And it was like four and a half hours or five hours or whatever it was. So oh, interesting. So I'd say definitely try it on like a training run or before you go to the gym or something, don't go all like try it before a race <laughs> before a 250 mile race <laughs> yeah <laughs> maybe just try it on like a, a 10 miler or something see how your stomach handles it oh, okay i'm like getting nervous in my stomach just thinking about it again because that was such a terrible experience for me <laughs> <laughs> they try it because like, there are different um different ratios and i think like there's like a 20 ounce one that only has like two to two and a half grams of salt um so it's not that much and then it's also like do a full liter and it's like four to five grams or something so it's kind of like based off like what your body can handle and then uh-huh. how adapted you are to salt and also probably like the size of your body as well and oh yeah for sure yeah but i don't know the specifics but it's definitely worth digging into if you're interested okay i'll check that out that's interesting <laughs> yeah go for it it's, it's really interesting yeah i think yeah maybe i'll read that book and then we can do another full episode on salt because i know we dove into that a little bit on one of our earlier episodes but you know salt is very important if you're doing a any diet really, but specifically an animal based diet. Yeah. It's really interesting. Cause like, I'm, I'm just fascinated by it because partly because it's like been demonized over the years. And as I incorporated more salt in my life, I have just felt better personally. And that's definitely N mm-hmm. equals one. And I don't want to give like medical advice by any means. Cause I'm not qualified to, and I don't know enough about it, but me, for me personally, it's really helped. And I've seen it help other people as well. Um, but that said, if you do have like some sort of condition, it might not be good for you. Um, but yeah, we um, or I interviewed uh, Peter Mortimer about it because him and Jeff Browning and another guy um, did a, a salt sweat test or salt loss. To, I don't know what you call it exactly. Basically, it's measured like how much salt they lose um, per ex- or while exercising. Yep. And um, that's really changed how Jeff and Peter both like fuel during events. Um, so the podcast with Peter was really interesting about that because we kind of dug deep into it. Oh, cool. Yeah. Cool. Um... I guess I'll just listen to it. I was going to ask you what they said, but I guess I'll just go listen to it. <laughs> yeah, listen to it. And um, but no, definitely read that book because that'd be a fun uh, a fun podcast for us to go through because I could read it again and then we can um, kind of go through it and figure it out. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah, so that was that was kind of random about the ketones, but I did think of one more question that I want to address and then um, I'll let you address any if you have any that you want to go through. If not, we can wrap up. But one question I did get asked this past week was regarding supplements that have sucralose in it. Okay. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Because I know what my thoughts are. Oh man, this is a this is a can of worms. I think that <laughs> I don't know if we can fully cover it in a short amount of time. Um, for me personally, sucralose messes up like my digestion. I feel like crap when I I consume it. So I haven't had sucralose in a long time, at least on purpose. Uh-huh. I, I think when you did the AZT, didn't some of those like um, root beers or something have sucralose in them? Or is that a no? They had from... they had stevia and erythritol. Okay, I know. Um, I know ben Light, he had a few supplements that had had sucralose in it. I think it might have been something of his that you tried. Okay, that might have been it. 
because like i haven't really been about it like for a long time like same thing with aspartame as other like artificial sweeteners they've always just kind of like not sat well with me and i don't like the taste of them um but sucralose specifically i think it's been linked to a lot of digestive issues and even neurological issues um i would have to find studies on that like i can't pull anything off the top of my head um, about it but i know it messes mm -hmm. with me specifically so i avoid it um but then like i still have stevia and i'm kind of like mixed on that as well and same thing with monk fruit but i guess was your question specifically about sucralose it was but i think that that could branch out to the other sweeteners like stevia monk fruit and erythritol yeah i think um sucralose is a hard pass for me like i'll avoid it at basically all costs unless it's literally the only thing to eat um but, like i kind of mixed feelings on monk fruit and uh, stevia and stuff because for example in chile i went down there a few years ago for a film shoot and the government has this big war on sugar there. And so they're subsidizing stevia. So like all the cereals now says like con stevia, con, well, they say stevia, con stevia, whatever. Like, so like the oh, Fruit Loops, con stevia. And it's like, okay, so like, is that better? Because everyone's still diabetic. It's just, they're still ranked up high in the diabetes scale. So I don't know if it's actually like helping anything or if it's just kind of like a lower carb solution to make people feel better or if there's something going on there. But like, I know like well, people like Paul Saladino is really against artificial sweeteners like that, but then other people are not so much. So I, I have mixed feelings about it, honestly. I mean, technically they're not artificial, right? They're natural. Yeah, that's true. I guess they are a natural sweetener, huh? <laughs> yeah. I mean, and I believe, unless there's new studies that I haven't read, but I believe, like, I, I don't believe I've read studies that say that stevia, erythritol, and monk fruit, monk fruit don't affect your blood sugar. So I'd be curious to know why they're still experiencing diabetes if they're using those things, because according to studies, they're not supposed to spike your blood sugar. Yeah. I think like, I think the issue is when you consume them with carbohydrates, like if you consume like diet Coke, which has zero carb or zero calories, carbs in it, whatever, but it has aspartame and you consume that with some sort of carbohydrate, your blood sugar is still spiking not, right. or something like that. I don't honestly don't know enough to even talk about this, like, <laughs> but I... I just know there's issues with it, like gut disorders and um, other other issues. Yeah. So I, now I definitely want to dig more into it because, like, I, I don't think they're healthy for you personally. But then you are right, though. It's like they are like a zero calorie like sweetener, but they're also like zero. They don't have any nutritional content. Right. Either. And like, I, I don't know. Like, I, I, mean, I just know. I just know for me, like. You know, I've tested with the CGM, stevia, erythritol, and monk food. They don't spike my blood sugar. Mm -hmm. uh, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're good for me. But I yeah. do, like, you know, there's still some supplements I take that have stevia in it. And, you know, I don't necessarily feel bad when I drink those things. When I drink sucralose, yeah, I feel it in my gut for sure. Yeah. Um, but I'd be curious to know. For people that it doesn't affect their gut, I'd be curious to know if any of them have tested themselves with the CGM to see if it spikes their blood sugar at all. Um, yeah, that'd be really interesting to see. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when it comes down to it, like if you can just get everything you can from meat, eggs, raw dairy, fruit, and, and honey, <laughs> like, you know, especially if you're doing something like, you know, adding liver to your diet we've said that a couple of times that that's nature's multivitamin and mm -hmm. Paul Saladino actually did a video. I think it was this morning about how much liver that you actually need. And it was like an ounce a day mm -hmm. or something like that. Like it's not a lot. And I'm not going to quote any of the values, but like it was a large amount of 
different, like, you know, micronutrients in that one ounce of liver. So if you're eating correctly, like really, you probably don't need to supplement. Um, but if you decide to do some sort of supplementation, like I do feel like stevia, erythritol and monk fruit are the three best options for you. Yeah, I I think I would agree with that. Like, especially if you're trying to like cut sugar, like it is very, very, very addictive. Like I yeah. definitely have like a sugar addiction, like just consume mass amounts of sugar growing up, like monsters, rock stars, all that sort of stuff. <laughs> and so I think if you are trying to like cut sugar and you just can't like using that as a tool to get out of like your sugar habit, it's probably a really good idea. Uh, yeah. Then like try to like wean your way or wean yourself off of those things eventually. Cause like ideally, yeah, like you're saying like just sweeten everything with like fruit juice or, or something. Um, but like in the end, like the grand scheme of things, it's probably just like splitting hairs at, at this point. But like, I don't know, we should do some more research on that because I'm actually recently been really interested in artificial sweeteners and these like zero calorie sweeteners, I should say, because I guess monk fruit's like an actual like real thing. Because I will sometimes use, um, a, it's like an electrolyte drink mix from Myoscience. Um, the guy's YouTube oh, yeah. channel is High Intensity Health. And like, I really like his his information. And his supplement that he makes, it has like, I think carnitine or something in it. I don't remember exactly, um, but it tastes good, but it's sweetened with monk fruit. And I feel like he's a pretty smart dude and knows what he's talking about. And so I'm like, okay, well, he's okay with monk fruit, but then other people are against it. And so I, <laughs> I'm just kind of in the middle on it personally. Like I wouldn't say like make all your sweeteners monk fruit or stevia by any means, but like right. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't act like it's, I don't know, like taking meth or something like crazy. Like it's like a right <laughs> Oh, I don't think anything that we're against is like taking meth if we're, if we're being honest. <laughs> okay. That was like an exaggerated example, but you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean, but there might be somebody out there that doesn't. So I wanted to clarify, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, let's, um, let's add that to the notes. Let's, let's one day in the near future, do an episode on sweeteners and do some research. Yeah. I'll write that down right now. Cool. What is interesting well, too, like real quick, just like, um, like in other countries, like not the United States, but countries where like cane sugar grows naturally, it's like those things aren't even like an option. Like you can just go get like cane sugar juice essentially, and like like and you can mm-hmm. go to Brazil. Like when I was in India, you could do that in other places. So like it's kind of interesting. Like I wonder, like I wonder if you look at data, like if pure cane sugar, like just straight out of the like like the stock thing, is better or worse for you than say like an artificial sweetener. Like I I don't know. Like I'm curious. I think though. it would. I mean, personally, and this is just me guessing and sharing my personal beliefs, but like if I was looking at two products, one had sugar or sorry, one had, yeah, one had cane sugar and one had like aspartame or sucralose or something in it. Personally, I'd probably choose the one that had cane sugar. Oh, 100% I would too. Yeah. Yeah. But let's do a whole, let's do a whole episode on, um, on sweeteners in general. That'd be interesting. Like sugar like fruit juices, sweeteners, and then also like honey and maple syrup, yeah. artificial things. Like that'd be really cool. Let's do that. That's the real sweetener. <laughs> when I make my Creo brew, like I just add a couple tablespoons of honey to it and like, Ooh, it's good. Oh, that's so good. I was doing <laughs> yeah. that. Um, cause I have like raw milk. I haven't been able to find raw, mi- raw milk now for like two weeks. And so uh-huh. the, the kefir I've been buying, I've been doing like, I'll fill a cup up with berries, dump some of the kefir on it and put a bunch of honey on top. And I forget mm. about that now. It's really good. Granted, I still want that's... raw milk because it's delicious, but that's kind of <laughs> that's kind of filling the void right now. Dude, freaking after my, this morning, I did an hour and a half run oh. and an hour and a half strength training session. 
And when I came home, I drank over a half a gallon of raw milk. Oh, dude, I'm so jealous. <laughs> oh, it was so good. Dude, like my kids even like their milk consumption's going up. Like we, when we first started buying raw milk, we still bought like pasteurized milk for them mm-hmm. just because it's way cheaper and yeah. they don't care. But there was one night I was just like, why am I doing this? Like, like I'm always talking about good, better, best and like doing things for your kids. Like, cause like kids are the, like, one of the hardest human beings to try to get to eat healthy. <laughs> and so like, I think it was the first or second episode I talked about how you could just do like little things to help. And so like, yeah, there was one night I was just like, I'm always talking about little things I can do to help my kids. Like if that's a matter of spending an extra like raw milk for us is seven fifty a gallon. Like, and you know, I bet you my kids between the two of them go through two gallons of milk. So if I have to spend an a week, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So it's like, if I have to spend an extra 14 bucks a week to get them like milk that I believe is better for you, then like, why would I not do that? So yeah, we're, we're buying like six, seven gallons of raw milk a week. And we're going through that stuff like water. It's crazy. Kids love it. <laughs> Dude, that's awesome. And I'm, I'm assuming like the health benefits are there for them too. Like just better like digestion and everything. And, and like in the yeah. grand scheme, like that's really like, if you can afford it, that's not that much money like, no. for better health, especially with kids. Like when they're in this growing phase, like giving them proper nutrition versus just kind of like mediocre. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I keep saying we need to do an episode on that too. Like how to get like ways to like help kids eat better because mm-hmm. there are some things that I've learned over the past couple of months that I've been doing to help my kids eat better. It's not perfect by any means, but it's definitely better. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, so I'll stop spitballing though. <laughs> so we should do an episode on that because that'd be like really interesting. But I think it's yeah. interesting too. I guess we're kind of just like rambling now, but like just the dairy thing in general where people have demonized dairy for so long. And I think it's a very elitist viewpoint because if you look at like even a gallon of like the cheapest milk, like granted it's gone up a lot recently, but like three or four dollars for however many calories and how much protein you get from that, like it's not the ideal source by any means, but that's way better than like buying a bunch of peanuts or like bread or something. Like the amount of nutrition you can get from a gallon of milk versus all these like a bag of cereal or something, it's like exponentially better, like no contest. Hands down, Mm -hmm. it's a way better way to eat. So like- I hate it when people are just like, oh, don't drink milk. It's not good for you. Like go buy all these like really expensive, like pea protein powders and things. It's like, no, that's very elitist. Like, especially if you have like five kids or something, like I know you only have a couple, if you have a bunch of kids, like you can't be spending all this money on like vegan proteins that aren't even really helping mm-hmm. them at all. Like give the kids milk and they're going to grow a lot better and a lot more healthy. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. Well, cool. Uh, should we wrap up? Yeah, I guess we'll uh, do our um, why we started eating this way next week or the week yeah. after or the week after that. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, this episode was so random. Uh, hopefully you found some value in it. And uh, as always, leave comments, ask questions, <clears throat> like, share and subscribe. It's uh, the Juniper Lab, right? On YouTube and mm. everywhere else. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, like honestly, like sharing, liking, commenting and it really helps out the show a lot because it's super fun for us. Like we learn a lot doing it and it's just a blast. Um, but also like just like all those comments and likes and shares and stuff really helps the algorithm quite a bit. And we'd love to just keep doing this consistently kind of forever, I guess, especially when it's helping people. So, and honestly, the questions too are super fun because it makes me think and it makes me like, like on my run today, I was thinking all these questions the whole time. 
Like, yeah, I went out and ran my, my favorite trail out here and just thought about these questions. I'm like, oh, like, how should I answer this? And maybe that's why I was so like passionate about it when we started. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. On that note, we promise that if a question is read in the future and we disagree with it, we're not going to call you stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I apologize for that. I should, uh, I should apologize. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like, share, subscribe, leave comments, ask questions, let us know guests that you'd like us to bring on. Like we just did this whole episode off of questions basically. So mm-hmm. if you, if you like it and want it to keep going, then please keep interacting with us. And thanks again for listening. Yeah. And one last little note too. Um, it is on Spotify and iTunes and Substack. So if you are on any of those platforms, you can subscribe there or YouTube, which is the video part of it. Um, but either way that helps a lot. So yeah. Cool. We'll see you next week, everybody. See you next week.